Free Talk Live. It is the live, well, live version of Free Talk Live. And you can tell because things aren't going exactly right in the studio right now. Had some kind of power outage here just before we went on the air. So I don't see music. We might not have video. But if you can hear me, clearly we're doing a radio program. It's uh, Mark with you. Silver Dave is sitting in the seat over here for the first time, and Jay. Yeah. Yeah, so Jay, you brought in the story from, I guess there's a politician out here. That, that this is the first time I've heard this guy's name, but I guess he's uh, come out against cryptocurrencies in the past, but uh, he more or less endorsed uh, Bitcoin. Well, I think he endorsed Bitcoin, but he went out at, at, as uh, how it's a threat to um, basically the U.S. dollar, how it's a threat to the power of the United States. Uh, this is a U.S. Democrat Congressman Brad Sherman has urged his colleagues to consider banning Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies due to the threat they pose to U.S. international financial power, saying Bitcoin needs to be nipped in the bud. There's a great. Well, there's, we're beyond the buddy stage, pal. Uh, <laughs> Bitcoin hit twenty thousand dollars per unit. I remember when it was less than a buck. And he continues on to. Uh, yeah, you know, he's as a congressman, he's testifying, trying to urge the rest of his colleagues. Sure, he well, says, they, they tend to be a little late on to the to the uh, the party as it, usual. An awful lot of our international powers come from the fact that the U.S. dollar is standard unit of international finance and transactions. Sherman said at the meeting of the House Financial Services Committee last week, clearing through the New York Fed is a critical for major oil and other transactions. It is an, the announced purpose of the supporters of cryptocurrency to take that power away from us, to put us in a position where most, where the most significant sanctions we have against Iran, for example, would become irrelevant. So this guy has just been had just in front of Congress as a congressman has reinforced everything I've been saying, literally since I've understood, got a good grasp on Bitcoin, which I'm going to say is about five or six years ago, where I actually understood how Bitcoin is basically gold. As far as I'm concerned, and it it's it has a, some um, similarities to gold. Well, I and I think it's better than gold because I can actually use it. You know, as an activist, I've been trying to use precious metals literally uh, for ever since I was a teenager for 25 years, yeah. and I can't. It, it just don't work. And Bitcoin, cryptocurrency in general, gives us that option. Now, this is where I I have these crypto tip things in my um, pocket right now. I got a couple of them that I printed up last week. And my little phrase on there is, help neuter the war machine, you know, use crypto. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly, I mean, it's like this guy's been listening to me and all my friends talking about, you know, why we should use Bitcoin if you don't like war, if you don't like, you know, big, powerful government. It goes back to uh, Davi Barker's Bitcoin Not Bombs uh, promotion. That yep. was, you yep. know, he's That's been what convinced me early on with cryptocurrencies is, is that... Well, um, you know, if the government isn't creating Bitcoin uh, or creating uh, isn't in in charge of creating the currency, then it's going to be less able to prosecute its wars all over. Yes. And uh, just in case I didn't mention it yet, uh, this uh, article comes from Forbes and it was uh, published today, uh, according to uh, the the Forbes website here. Uh, it, It goes on to say Bitcoin allows its users to move value around the world beyond the sight and reach of governments and law enforcement. 
is often cr- criticized for its ability to to help terrorists, yeah, they criminals, and tax evaders. Yeah, they, they love to to talk about uh, you know the the criminality or whatever of Bitcoin, but criminals and terrorists use the U.S. dollar far more often and, than they're using Bitcoin, and they don't want to use Bitcoin. There's a um, oh Max Kaiser had a thing on a few weeks ago where he had talked about somebody had, was interviewing a DEA agent, and a DEA agent said. It would be great if all the criminals used Bitcoin to do their drug trafficking because it would make his job super easy because the Bitcoin blockchain is a public ledger. We don't know who's got, you know, briefcases full of cash and trading them around or whatever. And in fact, uh, even in the in a modern banking system, the, the legacy banking system, we literally uh, you and I, Mark, uh, we can't track uh, transactions uh, between uh, Wells Fargo Bank and HSBC or, you know, um, Joe Sixpack and, you know, uh, and whoever, it, because that is all like a private ledger that is all a centralized ledger that only people with certain access can can look at. And uh, even the um, DEA has a hard time using those kind of things. And then, of course, cash and, you know, you know, and other uh, physical uh, things that you just trade amongst yourself and, and barter and silver and gold and things like that even diamonds could are better than bitcoin for doing things that you want to keep anonymous bitcoin is not anonymous so the whole fallacy that you know the the, uh, anti-freedom you know crowd wants to bring out that bitcoin is you know for all these you know purposes of doing illegal activities is just totally false Right. If they really want to see, they, they get to see every transaction. They don't get to necessarily see who has done that transaction, but they get to see every transaction on the Bitcoin network. Um, and this is true for Bitcoin Cash. Uh, now, there are things called mixers, which, which can help you to uh, you know obscure some of your activities. But all in all, uh, you know, crypto may not be the best way to go for any anybody who's trying to hide their uh, their activities. Right. And, you know, Monero suggested, but I still, I personally don't know enough about how Monero works to, to know that. I, I have this feeling that, you know, anything that's done digitally, you know, uh, it's it's all data mined, it's data pooled, and then technology, you know, can come, can be advanced in a couple of years to, would make, you know, Monero transactions or something, you know, probably trackable, but maybe not now, but maybe in the future. I'm not sure. Uh, going on with this story here. Uh, from Forbes, uh, uh, this uh, Brad Sherman goes on. So, whether to disempower our foreign policy, our tax collection, or enforcement of traditional laws, the advantage of crypto over sovereign currency is solely to aid in the disempowerment of the United States and a rule of law. Uh, I wouldn't call the Federal Reserve note a sovereign currency. Currency, uh, technically, the Federal Reserve note is just a coupon for a U.S. dollar. So Sherman, I, you know, he, he just sounds like he's just a pro-government stooge sure. uh, that's, you know, going about this. Sherman, who has previously called Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies a crock, added the U.S. should prevent people from buying or mining cryptocurrencies. So he obviously doesn't understand that um, you can't stop people from doing mathematical equations. I mean, is really the bottom line. The article continues. That's what he wants, though. He wants people to stop being able to use computers to do stuff. Yeah, his lobbyists uh, want people to stop using computers. In fact, this guy, Sherman, I wonder I wonder how much Bitcoin he was holding when I was listening to him because I, the, you got to go to YouTube and just play the clip. Uh, it is like 
the greatest sales pitch ever. <laughs> right. I mean, more or less, he's just saying it's well, it's anonymous and it's fungible. It's peer to peer. It's a variety of things that we all say about it all the time. What he did is he provided the recipe of how to take down the the, the fiat, the global fiat system as it exists today, right. exclusively the U.S. dollar. Uh, all these fiats are falling. The, the way I look at fiat currencies, whether it's boulevard... This is government cur- currency. Right. Yeah. Government, uh, fiat currency is basically a government currency that is enforced by the barrel of such goons, barrels of guns of such goons. The way I look at these fiat currencies, whether it's the U.S. dollar, the euro, the boulevard, whatever, any of them, I look at them as a bunch of runners running towards cliffs. And you have one runner says USD, another runner says you know, euro on his shirt. Another runner says you won. Another runner says, you know, just name a fiat. And they all have a rope tied to each other. And they're running towards a cliff. And it doesn't matter which one goes over the cliff first. And as far as I'm concerned, some of them, uh, uh, you know, the boulevard's well, you, already gone over the cliff. Yeah, the boulevard's gone over the cliff. The, whatever the Zimbabwe dollar went over the cliff. I mean, it doesn't, they don't all pull, you know, just because one goes over the cliff doesn't mean they all go down. But, but it puts pressure on them. It puts pressure on them. And as soon as these other fiats start going over the cliff, it's uh, the bigger ones, you know, like the dollar or the euro or some of the other, uh, you know, major ones. It the rest of it's going to cascade really quick. So, and it's Bitcoin's not good. helping it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It, it's it, it's not good for the military industrial complex and the big bankers and the people who hold fiat. That's why you got to get your crypto. It's not going to necessarily be good for you know just sort of the general American person if they're not ready for it. The number is eight five five four five zero. 3733. It's 855 453 as in Free Talk Live. Are you? Free Talk Live. Coming to you live, and we are live. Uh, seven, as you could tell if you've been listening to that first segment, man, uh, the. <laughs> Powers the the universal power supply the what UPS um, uninterrupted power supply I don't know what the heck it is it uh, basically crapped out uh, it, just before the show started and all I the think power it's only like studio. a month old too it's like a br- brand new one because it was it started beeping a you know a few months ago and you even bought a new one the wonders of modern conveniences you know yeah <laughs> anyway it's Mark with you hi I'm Silver Dave and Jay. And you are welcome to call in any night of the week, seven days a week, 365 days a year. If it's between 1,900 and 2,200 hours Eastern time, we are here on the air on Free Talk Live. And, Jay, you're reading a story about a a politician. All I'm remembering about his name is Brad Sherman. That's correct. He's a Democrat from L.A. A Democrat, Democrat from Los Angeles, California? Los Angeles, yep. And he's got a little bug in it, be in his bonnet. Uh, about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin especially. Right. So obviously the lobbyists that influence him, because that's the only way Congress can oh, work as far Before as we I'm go concerned. on, I'd like to bring this segment to you by Bitcoin.com. Bitcoin.com is the website where you can go find out about this uh, uh, this this uh, this this divisive and uh, you know state destroying technology known as cryptocurrency. Um, I, I'm of the opinion that Bitcoin Cash is a a bit more uh, destructive than Bitcoin, uh, the old Bitcoin uh, th- th- is. but oh. And I think Bitcoin.com feels the same way. So go check it out. Bitcoin.com, they've got great news, and it's like wallets. You can get free cri- cryptocurrency there, everything you want. Bitcoin.com. A friend of mine made a uh, Bitcoin transaction the other day, and uh, he was telling me about this today a little bit, and I think it was like, I don't know, 
It was like four dollars or something, and I don't know if, if his wallet was set on like you know giving the miners like a high priority so it would go quick, and he wasn't sure either. But and then uh, I said, oh, I just um, you know got a I, I sent some Bitcoin cash, and it was like less than a penny, and my amount of Bitcoin cash I had sent was you know about the same as his you know four dollar Bitcoin thing. So that goes to show you right now. You know, the Bitcoin transactions uh, are kind of high. Bitcoin's, um, you know, gone up quite a bit the past couple of weeks. So, yep, you know, the this- transactions on the network are happening. It's not like no one was warned of this thing. We knew it was going to occur. But uh, for whatever reason, the folks over at uh, Blockstream that run Bitcoin.com or B- Bitcoin uh, didn't want to deal with that. And that's why, uh, you know, Free Talk Live and Bitcoin.com have been warning you that the technology known as BTC is uh, a little scary these days. Right. And and what's scary about it is when, you know, you go do a Bitcoin transaction. This is what's scary for me. So somebody says he's going to send me $150 in Bitcoin because whatever, I'm going to sell him something. And so when they, when they do it in Bitcoin cash, I mean, it just ha- happens right away. It, and, and it's just... And and he that's what he was concerned about. He called me up because it was taking a long time. And then I'm like, well, did you you know have it on a high priority or whatever? And well, I don't know how much was a transaction fee. And he looks, he's like four dollars. Oh, what the heck? You know, he was like, he's yep. like, you you're the one who told me this is you know pennies to send. You know, it was back I in the day. Them. You know, this is one of these one of my buddies that every time he plays with his crypto wallet and it you know something he seems a like fishy. Uh, um, his technical support, sure. But, but he's also my buddy, so you know it's fine. I I don't mind having these conversations with people. Uh. To uh, to get back into the article and recap it a little bit, I don't know how much of the uh, first segment didn't get out to everybody due to the technical difficulties, but this Brad Sherman basically says that Bitcoin is literally going to destroy the financial power of the United States. And he also states uh, in his congressional testimony, if you Google or YouTube search Brad Sherman Bitcoin, uh, that uh, the, the uh, people who like Bitcoin, guys like me, uh, have been saying that it's going to destroy the state, and that's what I have been saying. Yeah. I have been saying, let's stop this evil machine. Let's neuter the war machine. You know, ever since fractional reserve banking has been put upon, you know, consistently, you know, via the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913, the uh, you know the United States has been a perpetual war machine. And, and this is a question that I've kind of always wondered to myself as a U.S. citizen. Have I benefited from the fact that uh, the United States dollar somehow became the world's reserve currency? Or am I just as much of a victim of it all as pretty much everybody else, everywhere else in the world? Well, I, There's certainly some aspects that we can be clear on, right? Like you can look at World War II when the government wanted to build more bombs and planes and things like that. They said, buy war bonds. Right. In uh, 2003, when George Bush was asked, what can we do to support the war effort in Iraq? He said, go shopping. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. So what he was talking, referring to is to increase the velocity of money is well, what he was trying to say. Increase the creation of money because yeah. every time you sign a mortgage or ask for a loan, swipe a card. Right. So there's, deposit a, debt, a, there's a debt check. component. It, it literally creates this money out of thin air. And it, it, it uh, this is what fractional reserve banking is. This is what uh, us Ron Paulers learned about. Ron Paul taught taught me uh, and and millions others is that every time that we create a debt uh, as a private citizen, uh, as a corporation, uh, whether you're swiping a credit card or or applying for a loan, money is created out of thin air and it increases 
the credit line of the United States Corporation, and we know, we just look at you know the past few years, several years, that about half of the budget has gone towards defense, and defense has now become offense, such as killing people on the other side of the world, destabilizing nations that do not want to participate in our fiat currency. Is, I was just asking, what's going on. just talking to a friend about it today, uh, talking about the U.S. debt, to $22 trillion, and sort of asking the question, if you realize that the debt is been around with us since at the very latest Andrew Jackson at the earliest the inception of the country but at the latest Andrew Jackson that means that every war that's occurred since Andrew Jackson till now uh, there's been some of that some of that debt is carried over from that war and all of the interest from that debt also counts as war debt and i say also any veterans benefits count at most veterans benefits count as war debt too because you wouldn't have to provide benefits to somebody who wasn't off in a war generally you know they don't have you're not gonna very few veterans will have limbs blown off if they're not out fighting right yeah, it, 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 if they're stateside you know um just training and exercising you might have a couple casualties. you'll have some but most likely, and they deserve this... benefits. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Dave, you're you're a, uh, a veteran, aren't you? Yes, that's correct. Mark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did, What did you do in the military? Uh, I was a Green Beret in the Army Special Forces. Yeah, that's what I thought it was something like that. So, um, you know, you've got this, uh, you know, all that debt that was, uh, you know, has co- compiled up since 1812 or something, and how much of the debt that we currently have is war uh, based on war and uh you know these foreign uh things that are going on that the united states is doing and and probably dave uh to some extent the the battles that are fought that we never even hear about um you know that still gets gets uh, logged in there right so i mean my military experience is what made me a libertarian right if and i don't really like to associate myself with one particular category so i cautiously say libertarian even though that's probably the closest way but you know my experience I watched as, you know, the government actually goes out of their way to waste money as much as possible because that's how they can cook the books and make more private profits for individual private interests. I'd like to hear about some of this government waste money wasting that you saw while you were in the Green Berets because it's there, it's always fascinating stories. The number, 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE is in freedom. And you can call us and tell us your government money wasting stories. Free Talk Live. Go to themorganreport.com and receive updates and insights you will not find anywhere else on the web. You will discover how to grow and protect your wealth under all market conditions. The free Morgan Report provides interviews, webinars, question and answer sessions, plus mind-blowing videos. As David Morgan says, let my passion create your wealth. Themorganreport.com. Themorganreport.com. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind tonight. The number is 855-450-3733. I think you can use the uh, Discord lines at discord.freetalklive.com, but I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) So you go to discord.freetalklive.com and hopefully that will work for you. It's Mark with you. Silver Dave. 
And Jay. And Dave, you're going to tell us here in short order about uh, spending in the military and how wasteful it is. I want to real quickly go to the phones and get Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Um, I just want to say that we're going to build a roundabout here, a new one. And Where's here? I think it's Albuquerque within the Albuquerque city limit. All right. We're built there. So you're calling in about an, a roundabout being built in Albuquerque? Don't. All right. I think you have to be from Massachusetts to really understand how a roundabout works. There's because, a lot of them there. <laughs> uh, like you can't drive anywhere without New Hampshire too. They're all over the place too. But yeah. Massachusetts, like I think it's a rule that every town has to have at least fifty or something. I have yeah. no idea. The big they, trucks. Uh, how how do they get around some of these well, really tight roundabouts? I, I have a friend actually right here in Keene. He comes through with a cattle hauler and he tore the tires up on it uh, two winters ago because his truck is so you know it's a big truck that he has to go off the curb. And he they weren't plowed. Sliced tires open. It was snow. There was like some car parts in the snowbank that he had to run over. Obviously, couldn't see. But yeah, they're and they're getting torn up and having to rebuild them all the time. They kind of actually the new ones that are small for they're designed for Priuses. You know, the problem is is there isn't only Priuses on the road, right? Uh, so the big ones, the old ones, held up pretty well. But they want to put like more gardening space. From you know, they want to give contracts to local yep. contractors. A statue you know, of a local politician. Right, put wood chips down and do a bunch of maintenance. Sarah. Oh, yes, sir. But uh, here, uh, they were fighting back and forth for about seven years. There was a lot of people that was opposed to it. Um, so it was a lot of fighting. And um, people just like to just uh, stop and just whip through the intersection. They felt like uh, the regular intersections are faster. from And, and then roundabout is like they slow you down way like half a mile. I don't think so. Actually, if yeah. you understand the fluidity of automobile traffic, roundabouts work fabulous. Yeah, they're, they're really great. If you're talking about just cars going through them, they, they're kind of rough on trucks. And, you know, as, as you know, Sarah, I'm a big fan of truckers. I believe they keep America moving. Everything we've got here in this country we've got because some trucker dropped, brought it to us. Yeah, so they were they were fighting, but uh, they had like 34 accidents in three years. So they have to so they have to put one in. But, you know, with a, people like uh, always squeezing that yellow light. You said 34 accidents turns, in three years? Yeah, and then light is turning red, and then they always gun it at 60 miles an hour, and it always ends up in high-impact collisions. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. That sounds like people yeah, who don't know how to use red lights. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's not like no, roundabouts don't have that, a, a accidents, too. I mean, they got, they got, but all they're going to do is get stuck in the middle of a water fountain, usually, you know, or a garden or something. Um, I mean, they do have accidents, but like I'm talking about high impacts, they're gunning yeah. it. Well, I don't know about the high impacts. I don't know how, um, I wouldn't be able to speak to it. I've heard that once people get used to them, that uh, roundabouts are better, but it takes a little bit, there's a little bit of a learning curve, especially if you're in a place that doesn't, isn't used to them. So I don't know if they're the answer to everything, but they're an answer to some things. Thanks for the call, Sarah. The number is 855-450-3733. Now, uh, Silver Dave, you were going to tell me about some of the things that you experienced when you were in the military as a Green Beret. Um, that was sort of we call it spendex i'm not even sure what that means yeah so spendex i love to talk about this so some people who are in the military might have heard the term spendex it's actually a slang term it means spending exercise it's not an official term i get it 
So at the end of the year, and this is a real thing. This this is probably going to blow your mind, and you might think that that can't be possible, but but it really is, and that's what's the most amazing about it. At the end of the year, uh, all the different military units have to uh, order their ammunition and their bullets and their rockets, whatever stuff. And so um, whatever they have left in their arsenal is, you know, subtracted. And so if they don't spend as much money, for example, then the following year their new budget is created based on how much they spent. Right. So at the end of the year, you know, all the different units start setting up an exercise to send everyone out to the field to go and shoot the rest of the bullets and fire all the stuff. Well, I was in a special forces unit. And, and you already leaving, shoot a lot of bullets. And we had a lot of stuff. I mean, we had a lot of rocket launchers. We had a lot of explosives. We had a lot of bullets of all different types of things. Explosive tip, 50 cal bullets that cost a lot of money each. Anyway, so like one of my last missions before I got out was this massive spending exercise where we literally had to go and just get rid of so much stuff. And I was 18 Charlie, which is a special forces engineer. Okay. So my dem- my expo- my specialty was demolition explosives. And so they sent me out with literally a truck with 35,000 pounds of explosive uh, rockets and C4 and dynamite and all different TNT. And they sent me out with like, you know, six assistants that were just, you know, kind of our support guys. And they were like, all right, you guys are going to rig all this stuff. You just got to make it all go away. We have three days. And it's like literally, and they split up all the different units. Some guys went to the shooting range. Anyway, and so, like, the mission was to get rid of as much stuff as possible. Well, this is so, uh, this is incredible to me. I mean, we're talking about, like, I don't know how many millions of dollars worth of stuff. Sure. Well, so at the the rifle range. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, so get this, right? So here's this rifle range where, you know, everyone's got their. their Is this in Afghanistan? M4s. No, no, no. This is stateside. Okay. Because the Spendex isn't necessarily going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. So here, this is actually in. in Yakima, uh, which is in uh, Washington, Yakima, Washington, yeah. yeah, Yakima Training Center. Anyway, so um, so we they send everyone out there, and so I finished the demolition, and like we literally like they had a limit to how much you could blow up at a time, and so it was an eighty pound shot limit, which meant you could only detonate eighty pounds worth of net explosive weight at any given time, but you could link things up so that it would be like boom, 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 uh, but as long as each boom was less than 80 pounds. And they'd call you on the radio and be like, Dave, they wouldn't say Dave, but, you know, range number 65, that sounded like a lot more than 80 pounds. <laughs> oh, no, no, it was, it was. <laughs> but it took so much work to rig up all these separate charges, right. but to get rid of all this stuff. That's how we it had, had to be to done. get rid of as much as possible. Well, so what's funny about this is that at the rifle, I finished, and so I go to the rifle range, and, you know, you get these 10 special forces guys well, we were really creative about solving problems. Well, they had literally like 550,000, you know, 223 bullets to shoot, and you couldn't load these things in the magazines fast enough. Like everyone's thumbs are tired, get speed loaders. <laughs> you couldn't do enough of this. So these guys had this bright idea. There's this regular army unit like right down the road, and they go over to the commander. They're like, hey, your guys ever shoot full auto before? Because... A lot of people don't know, but the conventional army rifles are not full auto. They have a three-round burst. A three-round burst. Yeah. So the special forces mod comes with full auto. So they're like, oh, well, you want to send your guys over? They could shoot full auto. 
And the commanders are like, oh, that sounds great. Well, so they Practice. get these guys lined up, right? But first, before you get to shoot your your full auto, you had to load mags. Uh, so we got a line of 200 regular army privates loading mags as fast as they can. For the for the special forces guys. No, no, no. So that they could then get in line and oh, we I had see. to take turns. And they could stand there and put the rifle on their shoulder and shoot standing up full auto on a six-inch dot and shoot all 30 rounds. And they're yep. like, yeah. Meanwhile, like the, the idea was that now we get you know hundreds of guys loading mags because they had to shoot so many that it was just right. like we couldn't the waste these things fast enough. The only way you could do enough. it is to create a production line for fully automatic firing. The, um, the now to think about this, this is just some infantry guys, and all they can do is make uh, you know a few inexpensive things, relatively speaking, from a military standpoint. Go kaboom! But then you start talking about the navy guys and them firing off all the rounds out of those giant cannons. I've heard stories of the guy, the CBs, just dumping tools off the side of boats because they had to have uh, you know wanted. <laughs> <laughs> needed to buy new ones next time. I mean, this is totally real. This is totally Snap-on real. tools just over the side of the boat. Yeah, snap-on contract. Got to satisfy that one. 855-450-3733. I mean, not to not to besmirch the military or anything, but this is what we're this is what we're so excited about. This is why we get the tears in our eyes when the flag plays. The song plays. Free talk live. Would you like Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. Come on, it's Mark with you. <laughs> and Dave. And Jay. Hey. <laughs> Jay, you're going to. We're, we're all going to Fork Fest here in June, and I know you're going to do some kind of uh, welding and forging work. Well, uh, do you want to forge your own bottle opener? Forge a steel coat hook, maybe. Weld up some functional horseshoe art. Want your kids to do some forge work and make something that'll last them a lifetime? I have a one really good, like, six, seven-year-old kids project. Yeah. It's simple. It's easy. Is uh, this the, uh, the hanger for plants? Actually, it's a little simpler than what Jack made. Um, and it's, My son uh, yep. went to, to man camp at uh, Jay's house, and his mother is really excited about what he made for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he made a hanging, uh, he plant. made a, a a hanging plant uh, holder. Yep, and it that was out of a seven sixteenth square stock, which is a little thick. I got uh, another one. is It's a it's a simple hook. I've been having six and seven year olds make them. Uh, they can almost do it without their parents' help. Like a you know, and there's some six year olds are like really with it, and some aren't. Just you know, they just uh, what I've noticed. I've it's that time about yeah. eight or nine different kids have made these simple hooks. But uh, anyways. Uh, you can do this. Your kid can do this. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of projects at ForkFest. Uh, join liberty-minded, voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians this summer from June 13th until June 18th for ForkFest 2019 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest happens right before the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and ForkFest is, de- is decentralized, which means no one's in charge. That also means there's no ticket costs. Just reserve your camping or RV site or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 13th through 18th. You can simply relax and go camping with other Liberty lovers, or you can create whatever experience or event you'd like others to have. Like Jay is. And Silver David. He can tell you a little bit about his in a minute here. If you're planning on an event for ForkFest, be sure to let others know in advance. You can connect with others, uh, other ForkFesters via the unofficial Telegram chat or the ForkFest forum. 
Links to those are on the unofficial website. At ForkFest.Party. Dave, what are you doing? That's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so I'm going to be uh, teaching a class. I call it Escape from Capture. Okay. And it's a really unique class. We're going to talk about, uh, basically, I teach some basic escape strategy. We're also going to teach you how to pick your handcuffs while you're wearing them. Oh, my. And so you'll get to leave <laughs> with a pair of handcuffs that you'll be able to keep so you can practice at home and stay okay. fast and sharp. Uh, and basically, uh, the concept of this class is we uh, can make a much harder target out of you, uh, but that can be our little secret. Uh, and so, essentially, we teach how to make some improvised weapons, how to defend yourself without a weapon, uh, some escape strategy, and like I said, uh, pick handcuffs. Uh, should be really great. You never know when somebody's going to... I mean, kidnappings happen, right? The, uh, yeah. yeah, especially... Uh, especially state sponsored state. yeah <laughs> if the state don't like it and i uh, your uh, your thing you're doing is called practical application of force correct yeah so uh escape from capture is actually an offshoot from my martial arts program which i call practical application of force and you can check out practicalapplicationofforce.com where basically i offer an array of different uh, gunfighter training as well as martial arts uh escape from Capture, as we just talked about, uh, Ladies' Defense Night, and some other exciting workshops. Ultimately, uh, practical application of force is the only true martial art that I know, as it truly is art of war, art of Mars, uh, not necessarily sport fighting. Right. So, uh, start at ForkFest.Party, and what was your uh, your site? So, I'm at site number 29. No, no, uh, the, the website. Oh, practicalapplicationofforce.com. Let's go to Tom calling in from New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. The city, all board of aldermen of the city of Nashua, New Hampshire, was uh, considering a measure that would have raised the minimum age for buying cigarettes and uh, e-cigarettes and the like from 18 to 21. Uh, my son and I spoke against it at a Board of Aldermen meeting, and it was referred back to the committee with amendments. I spoke against it at the committee meeting, and then when it went to a Board of Aldermen vote yesterday, uh, it was defeated by one vote, one alderman more. Uh, so it was six it's in pretty favor narrow. seven against. Yeah. So, you know, if my comments were influential on any one of those seven that voted against it, then, uh, you know, it, it maybe it made a difference. I don't know. There's no way to, to really know. No way to know for all sure. Different people may, but, uh, uh, like I say, I raised the issue that, uh, sure, there, it's very easy for politicians, because, be, first of all, because of the custom of being respectful when addressing politicians, they can be unaware, they can indulge in... Uh, being unaware of the hostility that they incite by inflicting nanny state restrictions on persons who don't consent to them. And also, you know, these people, they're old enough to go into the service, but they're also old enough not to. And I raise that, you know, like, why should they sign up to protect your life and your property when you wouldn't even vote to protect their right to liberty? And what if a natural disaster strikes Nashua like happened in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina? People were suffering and dying, waiting for the National Guard to rescue them. What if some of you should happen to find yourselves suffering and perishing for want of National Guardsmen as a consequence of the hostility that you maliciously incite by committing this hate crime? It would serve you right. 
That, that was the approach that, that I, I used. They I don't often know. don't think about what would serve them right or anything like that. I mean, for me, when I think about, not that I'm looking for anybody to go out and start smoking uh, tobacco. I mean, it seems like a bad choice that one could make. However, oh, yeah. if you're going to tell somebody that they can, uh, you know, they can serve in the military. Thank you for the call, Tom. Appreciate it. If you're going to tell somebody that they can uh, serve in the military and can die for the United States government, then, well, it seems like they should be able to smoke a cigarette uh, in that amount of time. My, my problem with all of this is how many aldermen are there? He said that there was a, a vote of seven. So it's, there's a 13 aldermen. He said a seven to, to six. I guess. I, I don't know. Maybe there's seven aldermen or one of the seven. But anyways, there's a handful of these people uh, that are essentially um, going to, uh, you know, rule the, you know, the inhabitants yep. of they decide. You know, any given jurisdiction. You know, how many people are in Nashua? You know, I don't know, 60,000 or something or 80,000. I don't know the numbers, but there's a lot, you know, there. And it would be actually it'd be anybody, I guess, if you ban, were they banning the sale of cigarettes or the, the use of yeah, cigarettes? Yeah, that's the idea. The sale and use of oh, cigarettes okay, by so, anybody under the age of 21. So and that would make kids smoke even more. It might. Um, <laughs> it I mean, I think they know that. I think that's why they teach. See, that's why they teach in health class. They teach you not to do drugs because they know rebellious teenagers will then do drugs. And since they own the drug market... For anyone who's been in Afghanistan, is covered in drugs and soldiers. What a weird coincidence! Uh, yeah, <laughs> they couldn't so, hide the drugs from all the soldiers in Afghanistan. No, no, no. That'd be pretty hard because the whole country is covered in both. Did, Did they have these? You were just talking in the last segment about these spending exercises, where basically every division of the military just goes out and tries to use up armaments and uh, just waste as much money as they can right before the end of the fiscal year. Did they have those spending exercises in Afghanistan? Well, so the spendex would usually be a stateside thing. Yeah, it makes sense because you don't want to. I mean, it costs a lot more. A bullet that's in Afghanistan costs a lot more than a bullet that's in Ohio. Right, right. So the spendex is a stateside thing, um, but they they do cycle through stuff in uh, different um, combat zones too, or th- different theaters. But the thing I wanted to mention about this uh, spendex, they want to point out this is really important here. So, you know, you got guys out there just literally shooting as many bullets as possible. You got to realize there's no training going on out of that. So you have all these bullets, right? And you could be I was kind of curious about that. Yeah. That doesn't qualify as any kind of training? Why not? Yeah. Like you could be practicing where you're going to use these bullets to practice your marksmanship. You practice your skills and you would shoot very few bullets. In this case, the goal, there's no training being achieved. It's literally they've got to shoot all the bullets and waste them because otherwise they won't get as much of a budget the next year because they'll say, look... You got all those bullets left over. And so all the commanders, they literally, it, it's everyone's instructed to do it. They cycle everything through. And so this is, you know, can you imagine I was in a unit and the unit I was in, that spendex, I, I can't imagine maybe $30, $40 million worth of stuff that we use, rocket launchers, every kind of thing. Now imagine every single unit in the entire army is doing that every year and start doing the math well, on that. Yeah, it's incredible. If you're talking about an infantry division, they can shoot, you know, however many bullets they shoot, but when you're talking about the guys that run the tanks, the guys that run uh, you know, like all kinds really of divisions of bullets. There. Right. I don't even know what the guys that do the sort of the Minutemen missile silos, what are they shooting off? Uh, I don't even have any idea. They shoot all that stuff and they <laughs> shoot them. And you know, it's so like the more money that but you got to realize the more money the government wastes, the more money that these guys can steal. That's because why they got to pump it through the. They can siphon some of it out, but they got to flow it fast as possible through the pipes since they're just like siphoning some off the side. 
Do you have any stories of the mili- when you were in the military of uh, you know these spending exercises? The number is 855-450-3733. It's 855-450. Free is in Free Talk Live. This is a special alert for business owners, consultants, coaches, folks planning retirement, entrepreneurs, and anyone who is saving and investing to build a financial future. You are likely aware that financial privacy for most people has recently died a miserable death. And let's face it, without privacy, there really is no security, is there? Bankrupt governments and banks on the verge of collapse are perhaps the biggest threat to your financial future today. The Lighthouse Law Club recognizes this and has been working diligently to provide safe, secure, and productive tools to ensure your privacy, your financial security, and your future financial well-being, despite the catastrophes which many people fear are looming ahead of us. Find out more with a variety of free videos on the YouTube channel for Lighthouse Law Club. Just search YouTube for Lighthouse Law Club and secure your future today. Kicking off another hour of this live edition of Free Talk Live. It is Mark with you. It's over day. And Jay. And you can call in, talk about whatever is on your mind on this edition of Free Talk Live. Silver Dave. Why do they call you Silver Dave? That's a great question, and I'm (laughs) glad you asked. So I've been into silver for a bunch of years now. And actually, about seven years ago, I got really into silver, especially after having spent 10 years working for the government in the Army and watching the wars and the way they throw the paper money around as we were just talking about the spendexes. And it actually goes on. It's the, the list goes on for the ways in which the money is wasted. Show me the ways. Yeah. And there are so many. How long were you in the military? 10 years. 10 years. So you got to see plenty. So I got, but also in the special forces, you really see a lot more. Uh, they hide you, less from you. <laughs> you, yeah, you really get a much more full experience, and that's what led me to believe that physical money, gold, silver, physical assets were the real wealth, and that paper money was pieces of paper with numbers drawn in them. I certainly don't have anything to argue about having some uh, specie on hand, some uh, metals or anything like that. But you recently bought some cryptocurrency too, right? That's true. That's true. And so, I mean, you know, a few things. I still, um, you know, just going back a little bit is that over the past seven years, I became Silver Dave partially because I was into silver, but also I founded Sons of Liberty Mint. Which was essentially. I've the, still got some of your minted coins, and if thank we call you. them that, yeah. And I'm glad. And actually, everyone in this room has uh, probably a, a few, a few, to say the least. Um, but you know, we really focused on fractional silver. Yeah. Uh, Sons of Liberty Mint did get purchased by Pyramet, and you can buy the Pyramet Silver Card and other Sons of Liberty Mint products that they, uh, you know, they, they still have, and or some of which they still make. Uh, but so I get really into silver, and I still love silver. However. Uh, I love silver, and I think that everyone should have some silver, especially fractional. But What do you I mean think, by fractional? What's that mean exactly? Oh, that's a great question. So <laughs> fractional silver is more divisible and is usually less than one unit Smaller pieces. Right, smaller yeah. pieces. Better for barters and trades in the event that you needed to buy a, a bag of rice or a chicken or a box of bullets, and the price of silver may have gone up. You probably don't want to pay you know, $5,000 for a chicken 
but you want to have change. Right. Um, so, you know, it's good to have that divisibility. Indeed. And you bought some crypto? But I bought some crypto, yeah, because I don't, I, I don't see the silver prices. I don't see them going up for a longer time. I do think that there is an up potential, a lot of up potential for silver particularly, but in the longer term, I think that uh, Bitcoin in particular has a lot of up potential. And quite frankly, I do think the probability is that it may be the likely future currency of this country and or many other. It may become the future currency. And I think that's a probable thing. So I think it's going to go up and it's just going to keep going up. Well, uh, so I, I as an investor and, and another note is that. Uh, you know, I bought into Bitcoin as an investor, not necessarily for ethics. Uh, I know that some people, you know, believe that it may disempower the dollar, but I think it's possible some of the people that are behind the dollar could be behind Bitcoin and they may still benefit from it. But regardless, I see making a lot of money as an investor at a minimum in Bitcoin. So I did get into it. Um, and also, you know, I want to be modern. You know, you, you got to sometimes... You know, you got to be modern and uh, and flexible. Yeah, I mean, you know, whether no matter how we feel about metals, and I feel pretty positively about them, you can't stick them in the the vent ports of your computer and have them come out someplace in like Korea. Right. The problem with silver in particular, and the reason why it's just not a realistic currency, is that it doesn't transfer, and it's hard to divide up, and so it just makes it a very difficult exchange medium to use in modern day. Internet, shipping, people need money that can move. People want to be able to buy bubble gum, and you can't buy bubble gum with silver. And it's hard to buy bubble Just, gum with silver. I mean, silver. Yeah. you could, but it's well, very maybe that really, maybe that big league chew stuff that's a little more, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what, uh, you, in your case, the Sons of Liberty meant that you were making, you were making one gram, um, a point gram, uh, I don't know what it was, uh, smaller pieces. What were they? Yeah, well, we made a lot of different sizes, but uh, one-tenth was a really popular- Tenth of what? Tenth of an ounce, I'm sorry. Troy ounce, okay. Yeah, tenth of a troy ounce. But still, that's a dollar fifty in this current modern well, price. I, I don't know still the last time I don't know the last time y'all were at a convenience store, but gum it's hard to get gum for less than a dollar fifty these I, days. It almost seems like now all the gum comes in these big packs. Like you used to be able to get like five sticks yeah. of gum. Now you're gonna buy like forty. Everything is Costco. <laughs> like I live in idiocracy. Well, it's the aspartame. The the, the government subsidized uh, you know, sweetener, aspartame. I gum is a whole nother issue. Uh like a couple of years ago, when I was four or five years ago, we had to horse farm. My dad, my dad was still around. We had all these teenage kids up there, and every one of them was addicted to gum. So I'm starting to like Google aspartame, and I'm looking into aspartame, and like, and the the girl I was dating, you know, a decade ago, she was addicted to aspartame. She literally had classic aspartame withdrawals, huh. and aspartame <laughs> is like this. Um, I'm not what sure. Was, what was her the way of her dis, uh, the way of distributing aspartame to herself? Well, gum. What, Gum, okay. Just constantly chewing gum, okay. And like some these- people shoot it, some people snort it, some people <laughs> chew it. There's yeah, not much it, different when you're talking about Diet Coke, you know. Well, Diet same thing. It's, it, it, it's in it's in Diet Coke, but uh, and I'm rusty on what aspartame actually is, but I believe, uh, and somebody will prove me wrong if I'm wrong, but I believe it's it's the uh, you know it's the fecal matter of genetically engineered bacteria or yeast is essentially what it is. It's just I don't know an the answer. Sweetener. I know it makes my uh, wife insane though. Oh, it has a lot of side effects on people. 
uh, and I was reading no, I all mean, about it. What I mean by that is just the, the existence of it makes her oh, insane. Well, uh, she understands. There's not much is. that I'm not allowed to do, uh, like you know, philandering and drinking aspartame. Those are the things. So, like, <laughs> that, that's about where we're at in the marriage. Right? In the you bathroom. Do what you do. What you want? Of aspartame. <laughs> what are you doing in there, honey? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, people like if you find yourself buying gum every single day. Uh, you know, if you're driving down the road, don't do it. But when you stop, take that pack of gum into your pocket, see if it has aspartame in it, and just do yourself a favor and just Google the side effects of aspartame. It's 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 bad stuff. And and like Dave says, our, our food is just full of all this fake junk, and it's government subsidized, of course, because it's produced by the Merck Corporation, who wants to force vaccines on you, also. So this story that you had uh, about the politician that basically came out and endorsed Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, do you feel like you got through it? Or um, yeah, there's one one little thing. One here quote that you had. I would like to. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, this guy Brad Sherman. He is a Democrat from uh, L.A. Not to say the Democrats have cornered the market on saying stupid things about cryptocurrencies because they haven't. But, um, you know, he adds, uh, I don't know, some quote or another. Yeah, well, so uh, this is the end of the article uh, from Forbes. Mr. Sherman realizes that the United States and other countries with major currencies, and it should be fiat currencies, but major currencies will lose considerable power if they are no longer in control. While his understanding of technology uh, potentially is accurate, of techno- technology's potential is accurate, it appears that the congressman does not understand the Im- improbable of being able to ban ownership of these decentralized digital currencies. Right. It works so well when the government tried to ban ownership of uh, marijuana, for instance. <laughs> I mean, if, if demand is high enough, people are going to get it, and the government can't stop Bitcoin without stopping the Internet. That's right. And they can't stop us from engaging in math transactions. And I was talking to a friend about this thing a couple of days ago. He's like, well, what if they ban Bitcoin? I go, well, I hope they make it a death penalty death penalty for using it because it's just it, it, it's nonsense to, to ban Bitcoin. It, there's really no way they can stop us from using it. Well, yeah. but I have wondered if they put up and they said like there was a major penalty, like you just said, like maybe not death, but maybe. But they just said if you're caught using it, then... We're going to put you in a life sentence or, you know, death penalty, whatever it is. You don't think that that would dissuade people from using it? You really think that would fire people up to use it more, Jay? I think it would make it much more attractive, yes. I don't know what would happen. It's been some time that at this point, I think the barn door is is like stuck open. I don't know if they could <laughs> could actually pull this off. There, there's a few rambling lunatics that might talk about banning uh, Bitcoin like this guy, but you can see it's falling on deaf ears. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it depends on who's running these drugs and these guns that they're so worried, uh, you know, that uh, people are using Bitcoin to do. Is it the CIA? It's not like they've never done it before. Yeah, they have the ability to do it. So I think they do. 855-450-3733. 855-450-FREE. As in Free Talk Live. talk live hey you know listening to the show is great maybe you want to see us here in the studio check out uh silver dave he's brand new and oh, maybe, yeah. yeah what he looks like uh whatever you want to do go to dlive.freetalklive.com it's a new streaming service we're using and they've been pretty good to us dlive.freetalklive.com uh, they got a little chat room over there and it looks like uh 
the Canadian Frost and uh, the Remnant and a couple other guys are chit-chatting in the room, Brandon, and having a grand old time. You could be, too. There's lots of folks at the Discord chat, too, if you go to discord.freetalklive.com. But your options, we, we try to keep them as open as we can here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. Silver Dave. And Jay. Yeah, the uh, Discord chat, I've been paying attention to that a little bit. Uh, that's pretty in- entertaining. There's um, lots of people in there. Oh, yeah. They're just, and, and they're hilarious. Uh, the memes are popping up all the time and yeah. making comments. You never know, you never know what you're going to get in the Discord chat. The that's... names are hilarious to these guys, too, the stuff they come up with. Yeah. Let's go to Dave calling in from New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, gentlemen. We, uh, we talked a couple of months ago about the, sort of ongoing uh, uh, emptying out of the jails that's occurring in New Hampshire. They're emptying out the jails? uh, All right. To some extent. uh, It's the result of, uh, I guess that's the result of uh, bail reform. Okay. uh, Now there's something else going on uh, that is, I guess, annulment reform. uh, What is annulment reform? Well, annulment is Presume you'll tell me. Yeah, if you have a conviction, you you uh, you get it taken off the record. All right. Well, there's also an annulment for a marriage too, so I was kind of confused. Yeah. So you know, whenever the New Hampshire Police Chiefs Association is whining, you know something good is happening in New Hampshire, and <laughs> they're definitely whining now. They think it's they think it's going too far, but the idea is that uh, they just each year it seems to get a little bit more, uh, uh, I don't know, lenient or whatnot. Uh, the the uh, the annulment the annulment process getting easier and easier people are using it more and more apparently and there's a thing called Senate Bill uh, 311 right now that I guess passed the Senate and it what it does is lets you get your crime annulled right after you finish your sentence immediately. Hmm. Huh, that's interesting. And annul basically means like when you annul a marriage. It's like that marriage never, never existed. Yeah, because I actually annulled my New Hampshire driver's license in two thousand eight. Now uh, I'll tell you the, some of the advantages to this is um, you know, and I don't know how quickly I, I get why uh, people want to know when if somebody's been convicted of a certain crime or something like that. But I recently went to Japan and got turned around by immigration, and their immigration said that this is a conviction from more than thirty years ago. And, well, at least the, the crime's from more than 30 years ago. The conviction, I guess, is from like 29 and a half years ago or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the guy's like, well, there's nothing I can do. You seem like a really good guy. Seems like you've, um, you know, turned your life around or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, thanks, pal. I hope uh, whatever helps you sleep at night. But, uh, you know, I couldn't walk into the country of Japan because there there sits on my FBI record. Now, could you have, uh, could you like, you know, um, ask him? You know, the, go to the Japanese consulate here in the United States and have an interview with them or a sit down. So maybe someday you could go to Japan. I haven't spent any time thinking about that. Okay. I mean, I was just going to Japan for a business meeting. Didn't have any idea that these things are going to happen. I've considered writing a letter to the new emperor over there in Japan. I thought that, that would be a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> Years ago, I was going to go to the Philippines with a friend of mine because he wanted to interview a potential girlfriend and he uh-huh. wanted to bring someone with him. And he's an older fella. He's in his 50s. You know, I was young 30s. And uh, he, uh, or actually late 20s, I was, and I was going to go with him. And uh, I didn't have a passport, and I didn't even have a driver's license. 
And basically, I just contacted the uh, Filipino consulate, I think it was called, and they confirmed that, yeah, you're cool to come to our country. You was know, this before or after cool. 9-11? It was like 2005. Okay. And, and what they said, going back into the United States might be an issue, was what their concern was. Sure. Because I didn't have a passport. It might be, but I... I tend to think you're going to be okay, right? Like the the accent that you have is almost unreplicatable, uh, right? Like there's a very there are very few sort of Russian spies that might be able to pull <laughs> off an American accent generally, and you have a specific regional accent yep. that uh, you know is yeah, they're just not they're they're not doing um, hillbilly. Um, northern New England accents uh, when they're teaching them in, in KGB school or whatever. So <laughs> the chances of somebody now having... they're going to... <laughs> probably not. Um, if I'm sad to say, <laughs> they may be the they may be the, uh, the they may be the, the salt of the earth, but they're not very particularly useful in uh, Washington D.C. So uh, I mean, mostly I think you'd just be able to walk in by saying, "Hey, I don't have my passport. Sorry." Right. Right. Yeah. Dave. Well, nothing else to add. Just nice to see another thing moving, moving in the direction of liberty in, in New Hampshire. We, you know, obviously, we're not super. I think none of us are going to be super comfortable with the idea of, of horrible people who've done violent crimes getting out of jail. But most of these crimes, people get thrown in jail for, are, are uh, not harmful to others. And, yep. and victimless. So it's good to see the jails emptying out a little bit, and that's and the annulment uh, moving forward. Indeed. Most, uh, thank you very much for the call, Dave. Uh, most people who are in prison today are in for a uh, crime that didn't have a victim and thus probably shouldn't be in at all. I'm sort of of the opinion that, um, you know, in a libertarian world, there'd probably be a tenth, a fifteenth of as many pe- uh, people in prison as currently exist today. Because not only do you have to consider. The people that are in for drug crimes and vice crimes of, of other sorts. But you have to also have to consider those that were driven to commit crimes. And I'm not saying they don't have responsibility for their actions, but those that chose to commit crimes in order to get money to feed the drug habit or whatever else it is. Gambling, I suppose, is another possibility. That exists because of the prohibition on drugs. Right. There's a, so I, I figured you could take a good chunk of the actual violent offenders in prison, and if it wasn't for government prohibition... There is a strong percentage of those violent violent offenses never would have occurred. I mean, some people are literally just like, today, if you're a black man, um, I think I would rather be uh, judged by by 12 than carried by 6 when it comes to a cop interaction. Because, uh, I mean, I have no problem talking to a cop, but I got a couple of black friends who are like, dude, I could never do that. I would be dead. Right, and they are deathly afraid well, of the cops. In your case, you have no driver's license. Right, you have uh, you know lots of things. Uh, you know, like you, um, you're this odd individual who doesn't have uh, a social security number. Right, right, yep. and so you'll tell them all uh, exactly what you think of the the profession and and mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. And I would agree with you. There are those that cannot. Right, right. <laughs> um, so you know that's uh, not so hot. Let's go on. I've got a, this great article from Reason here. And apparently, the AFL-CIO, are you guys familiar with them? I, I don't know what the acronym stands I, it's for. It's the American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations. So oh, so it's like a union. It's the union. Yeah. The union. Oh, the okay. big union. Oh. There's basically the Teamsters and the, F, pardon me, and the AFL-CIO. Are, are they the people Jimmy Hoffa died for, or Jimmy Hoffa, <laughs> or kill, killed Jimmy Hoffa? I, I wouldn't be able to speak to any of that. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I don't know what happened to Mr. Hoffa. A little and, uh, bit of Jimmy Hoffa in every one of these cans of tuna. <laughs> <laughs> the number is 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE is in Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live has found that though U.S. financial institutions are prohibited from doing business with foreign gambling websites, it's not illegal for U.S.-based Internet users to gamble on those sites. People have been using VPNs or virtual private networks to connect to sites like games.bitcoin.com and play games with Bitcoin Cash. Games.bitcoin.com features poker, blackjack, roulette, craps, keno, slots, and dice. You can conduct your own investigation at games.bitcoin.com. Free Talk Live. It is, well, we're live, and you can call in and talk about whatever you want. If it's between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what day it is, you can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. Silver Dave. And Jay. The number's 855-450-3733. That's 855-450-FREE, as in freedom and you can also use the Discord lines if you go to discord.freetalklive.com. From Reason.com, Christian, oh boy, Britschke, I'm going to hope that's right. The American Federation of Labor and Congress of Industrial Organizations, that's the AFL-CIO, has taken a radical turn in its recent social media postings. Winking at the idea of airline workers executing their bosses. Encouraging the proletariat to literally seize the means of production. I guess that means taking the factories from their bosses, whomever owns it. Hmm. Yeah, that's the problem with unions, right? Yesterday, the (laughs) AFL-CIO tweeted out an explainer video from the self-described anti-capitalist, worker-owned streaming platform, Means TV, featuring Dan Whalen, identified as a Marxist roofer, explaining that the middle class is actually an illusion spread by owners of society to divide the working class. All workers under capitalism are subject to the same conditions of constantly producing more as little wage compensation for as little wage compensation as possible. And this is the thing that I don't know that I will ever understand. Am I a worker? When, when I just don't know. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that guy's uh, comment there because it sounds like he was really kind of talking more about socialism where or communism where you're going to work and you're going to get paid this no matter what. And the thing is, is, you know, they talk about how capitalism so is bad. You know, we really haven't experienced actual free market capitalism best, you know, 100%. And, uh, and you know, under capitalism, we've had tremendous growth and tremendous health. And under these Marxist and socialism and, you know, communism, which I will agree that that all hasn't been done right either. But even though that they, it's been dabbled with, and it's millions There's of people There's not much indication that it works. <laughs> right. Millions of people have died. What... A lot of good has come from capitalism, but we don't have capitalism here in the United States. We have crony capitalism. Right. Uh, and that's one of the difficulties of, for one, the word capitalism is is that people don't understand it because they've seen whatever they've seen and they define that as capitalism. And it's probably not that either. When the Federal Reserve Bank 
gives a 0% interest rate or a negative interest rate or a 0.0001% interest rate to, to banks to Capital One, and Capital One socks you 36% on your credit card, that's not capitalism because the actual interest rate would be whatever the market demands it to be, whatever you and I would want to lend money to somebody else, not you know these artificial you know banks just pumping it in. Right. It's difficult to – one could even guess what a normal rate of the cost of money would be in a world where the government wasn't pumping money into the system because the government actually uses debt to pump money into the system. Yeah. It's been – the system's been being pumped very consistently since 1913 with money. And uh, you know, going back to the first article and going back to the war, that's the reason war happens. So uh, going on with uh, the – Marxist roofers uh, stuff here says differences in income, type of work, or lifestyle that we use to draw distinctions between working and middle class wage earners are all fictional, he goes on to say, created by the rich and the media. Now, I'm pretty sure I'm the media, uh, best I can tell. Now, people won't call me the mainstream media because, well, I, I, I've actually had people ask me who tells me what to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave, you're, you're you're new to the studio. I don't know that you've ever been in the Free Talk Live studios before, have you? Well, I've seen it in here. You've I've looked in, in here, yeah. but I've never been. Uh, never been on. Yeah, you've never been on the air. Um, has is there a handler in the room that's telling us what to do? No. Have you seen any indication that somebody is telling me, and maybe I'm handling you guys in a really surreptitious manner? No, no. It seems pretty. Uh, Seems pretty natural. Right. So here I am on 200 radio stations now uh, across the country, and nobody has ever, we've never even heard from these handlers. Now, maybe they just think we're a bad prospect. I don't know. But um, you know, they're, they're not telling me what to say. Media is a very broad term. Cause it sure you, is. Because anybody who's a Alex Jones or Info Warrior, for example, is sure. considered the media, which you know I was at one time. Uh, and and you know anybody could be. But also media is you know, MSNBC and all these big ones. And I'll tell you, what he's probably talking about in the article is the fact that, you know, Fox and MSNBC and all these are very um, dependent on their advertisers. And when, you know, you're watching any of these media things and half of them are supporting military, half the advertisers are military industrial complex and and prison industrial complex and and big pharma, well, they're not going to talk about things that big pharma don't want them to talk about because they're going to lose big pharma's thing. And... I mean, I'd love to have Big Pharma advertise on this show, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder why. So going on here, the differences, uh, excuse me, the, the country's largest uh, labor organization apparently found these textbook Marxist talking points convincing enough to tweet out the video along with the caption, we all need to seize the means of production. That tweet, tw- taken on face value, seems to endorse some form of workers' revolution aimed at taking ownership of capital currently held in private hands. This, understandably, has raised a few eyebrows. And whatever you might think about unions and the AFL-CIO, my my father was the president of the local AFL-CIO, the the mold makers, whatever, um, in Bradenton, Florida. He uh, he worked at Tropicana most of my life, most of... Yeah, well, um, you do the math. Most of my childhood, I guess. All of my childhood, he worked at Tropicana. Um, And he would certainly have been a big proponent of the AFL-CIO, but the AFL-CIO has diminished in power over the course of the last 30 years. This organization is not what it used to be. 
So maybe what we're seeing here is sort of the death thrashings of uh, this big organization. I don't know how many private sector... I, I would agree with you because just like the money system is becoming decentralized through through uh, cryptocurrency, everything else is becoming decentralized. Uh, people are learning that they can do better uh, not dealing with uh, unions. Uh, they're learning that the uh, retirement funds, like uh, many of these union retirement funds, are underfunded, especially p- cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Google un- un- underfunded retirement. It's just all these things show up. So, yeah, I would agree. I would say this is stuff. It's all becoming decentralized. And these big unions have got away. You know, years ago or whenever they were created, they they had a really great thing. The intent was right. And they were, you know, making it safe for workers and whatnot. And they were actually doing things for the workers. And I believe a lot of the workers were really involved in the decision making when this first came about. But today it's just a couple of cronies, you know, in wearing suits and they're deciding, you know, for the unions. I have a friend who's a union laborer in Western Mass, and um, uh, he's tr- like trying to get out of it without like losing a bunch of the benefits and stuff. Sure. And trying to, he's trying to find a, a, like a, a job that he can do. He's a equipment operator uh, because the union does not uh, bend to the will of the little guy anymore. And, yeah. and a lot of the guys they know this and are looking for alternatives. And it's my understanding that about 40% of union workers vote Republican, which is the party that the union generally does not financially support. Or, you know, the the presumption would be there that they don't agree with all or most of the things that the uh, the union that they've got, that they're in, that they're forced to pay into, says. And you shouldn't have to pay an organization that you don't agree with. That's right. Um, this uh, apparently last week, uh, uh, week before last, the FLCIA posted the C- that uh, it cost twelve hundred dollars to build a guillotine. Now I don't know what that means, but it sounds like they're proposing chopping the heads off of Delta uh, officials. I could build one cheaper. Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is the the first time the FLCAO has courted, not the first time FLCAO has courted controversy in the past few days with some of its uh, social media content. Last week, in response to the widely circulated picture of Delta Airlines poster suggesting its workers would have more money for video game consoles if they didn't pay union dues, the FL tweeted that a meme suggesting that uh, deprived of a union, workers would be spending that money on a guillotine instead. So there you go. That's uh, that's what's going on with the FLCAO. Got more on this. Free Talk Live. Would you like to free talk live? You are free to call in and talk live here on the airwaves. That's what we do. It's Mark with you. It's over day and Jay. The number is 855-450-3733. I want to tell you about a series of books that my son Jack just recently got. It's called the Tuttle twins and the Tuttle twins is it's sort of a, yeah, sort of, Somewhere in the neighborhood of sort of libertarian, conservative kind of uh, book series. It teaches your kids the kind of things they're not going to learn in school and the ideas that they're not really going to get anyplace else uh, unless they're perhaps getting them from you. And it probably will do a better job than, than you have. Things like the golden rule, entrepreneurship, law and justice, and uh, many classic works that are uh, they're going to be useful for you. They're great for homeschoolers. They're great for kids that are going to regular school. Uh, I'd say the ages that we're talking about here are five for those that probably are being read to, to 11 for those who are reading on their own. 
you can get 40% off, 40% off, if you go to TuttleTwins.com and use coupon code FTL. It's TuttleTwins.com, coupon code FTL. My son loves it. If you get a chance to listen to any of the commercials here, you probably hear him talking about it. Uh, and actually, he has read some of these books more than once, which I think is probably the highest endorsement that you can get from an 11-year-old is that if he takes his time to go through and read the book a second time, uh, it's it's pretty good stuff. TuttleTwins.com, coupon code FTL to get 40% off of the 9 book series of the Tuttle Twins. Going on with this uh, story from Reason.com about the AFL-CIO tweeting out uh, admonitions to workers of America to seize the means of production. And I don't know what that is, but well, it doesn't doesn't sound entirely nonviolent. It, right. Are they going to come seize my means of production if I don't join their union? Are, are they going to send some men to do kneecap realignments at my place? <laughs> Right. I mean, are you, know. you now? You work for yourself, more or less. You're yeah. sort of a, you're, but you're definitely a, a blue collar laborer in that you work for people. Like I don't even understand who they're talking to when they say these things. They're clearly talking in the one case where they're talking about rolling out uh, a guillotine. They're talking about, say, uh, the the management of Delta. But these days, management. I mean, when you go to the the, the Taco Bell, the manager is working right there alongside of everybody. I wonder what level of management in Delta they're talking about. I don't know. The things, which is the airline industry, it's just controlled by a couple of them. And I watched a documentary on this over the winter, and it's just amazing the stranglehold that basically Delta, United Airlines, and I forget who the other one has on all the airports and everything. And and it's all because of government protectionism racket is what's going on. So. You know the the problem is is all the regulations government lets down and the um and and the noose government has around industry allowing only a handful of entities to control specific entity uh, specific industries as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I um you know I I've worked as a salesperson most of my adult life and. I don't know what a salesperson would be considered. Are they management? Are they uh, working class? Are they what? What are these people? I don't know. There's been better weeks and worse weeks as far as pay goes. Are we distinguished just by the amount of pay you you make? I don't even know. They're telling me here the AFL CIO. They're 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 explaining that there is no such thing as a middle class. That that's just a uh, distinction that is made by management in order to separate the workers. And I don't know what that means either. I don't know what any like. I I just feel like this organization is from some time in the past, and they're attempting to speak their rhetoric. Isn't the term middle class like straight out of like uh, you know government economics? Yeah, middle I class mean, is well. I mean, if you if if you take if you divide the earnings of all Americans, and you take what they call the quintiles, right? So there's an upper oh, right. class quintile. Yep. That's the top 20%. The uh, next one down, the next 20% down is the upper middle class. The next one is middle class. The next one is lower middle class. And the bottom one is called working class, which is a euphemism for people who don't want jobs. Um, I mean, you know, sorry, There's if, if you're talking about incomes in America and you're distinguishing people based on, you know, the people in the bottom 20% aren't working. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people in America who, are receiving social security and government checks and a variety of things they're not workers they're just getting a check they may have been workers at one point but they're not workers today and that's so it's not fair to call people who are in the bottom quintile of uh 
uh, you know. So if the lie's on the t- the table, it's not middle class; it's working class is the lie that's been put out there. I went on a date in Colorado, uh, and I drive a pickup. truck. You were truck. single back then, yeah. I was single, and I drive in a pickup truck, and I show up in Boulder, and I pick this girl up on a date, and she goes, "Oh, is this is this what you drive every day?" I says, "Yeah." She goes, "This is like so working class." I says, well, I do work. <laughs> and she was she was not stunned. impressed that I just showed up in an old pickup truck, right? You know, twenty year old pickup truck. Yeah, well, <laughs> your twenty year old pickup truck runs real real well, and I can see why you wouldn't spend that kind of money on it. Um, you know, I mean, why spend money on an, a ninety thousand dollar truck? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. What could what does it cost to buy a new truck today? Just if you wanted to get bare bones, I'm trying to go to work kind of truck. For gasoline and diesel, what's it cost? Okay, so I was just looking at this a couple weeks ago in, in a magazine, and it was the the work truck package. Okay. Which is the El Cheapo half-ton pickup truck. You wouldn't work it hard. Okay. Gas job, bare bones, crank windows. You're not putting a plow on this thing. There's crank windows still available? Oh, yeah, it's got crank windows. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, it was like $35,000. And I'm not- Really? I yeah. I but, can't believe you can buy a truck for thirty-five oh, grand. But it's- Bare bones, regular okay. cab. Now, yep. the the crew cab work truck diesel was like fifty four thousand dollars for a not a, a regular cab, and then like the um, these are Dodges. So, so when you say regular cab, you basically mean two or three tops people uh, in correct. this truck. Three people not comfortable. Three people sit like yeah. the one person sitting in the middle, yeah. which is arguably illegal in some states. Well, I have a bench seat, yeah, so there's yeah. a seatbelt there. Now, the crew cab one, which you could put, you know, like the plush one, it's got the leather bucket seats and a little console yep. and a big seat in the back. Uh, that truck, they're like, oh, it was like $73,000 with blah, Why does blah, it cost blah. so much more Rebate. to just put a couple of more seats in a truck? Uh, well, because people will pay it. So it's the premium yeah. truck. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, just with the just for the for the diesel engines to meet emissions requirement on like a Dodge pickup today. Yeah, just the emissions part is well over ten thousand mm. dollars. Just for the diesel emissions truck thing. That same exact truck, if you bought it in South America, isn't going to have all those emissions crap on it, and actually going to get better fuel mileage. And like you buy in Mexico, for example, or Central America, uh, and, and this just ten thousand dollars less off it. Also, it's cheaper there because they're built in Mexico. You know the Dodge pickup trucks, but uh, the um, you know they got like plush leather seats. They got um, like my dad would say, "Man, them new pickup trucks, those new lariats, they got everything but hot and cold running broads." You know, and, <laughs> and they do. I mean, navigation, GPS, uh, hill hill assist to start. A customer of mine, I get in a truck, step on a. Uh, Put it in drive, and I was on a hill with a trailer, and uh, I let off I let off the brake, expecting for it to roll back just a little bit, and it didn't at all. In fact, it didn't even move forward until I was pressing on the accelerator. Hmm. You know, I was like a 2017 Ford. I, I thought that was pretty cool, but like just all those things. I mean, is and just the fact that for every truck that like Ford and GM and these guys build, uh, it, it's their high end thing. But every car and truck they build, that like just thousands just going towards pensions. Of all these retired employees that oh, are yeah. collecting pensions, and there's uh, thousands. I think the uh, pension burden on like a Chevy Suburban or something was like eight thousand dollars per Chevy, and then a the tax burden was like and a, and a loaded Chevy Suburban. These right. things are like eighty grand or something stupid. Um, 
Yeah, well, it's hard to feel bad for somebody who goes out and gets a loaded Suburban because, oh, yeah. A, it's mostly the government that's buying them, and, right. and B, you, they clearly have the money if they're running out and buying a, a, a Suburban. So it, you know, It's just an example of, yeah. if you look at Craigslist right now, actually it cost you five bucks as of recently to put a car on Craigslist. Really? Yeah, it just started. Uh, all the guys are complaining about it. Looking, he's, I'm always looking for free firewood and Craigslist and stuff and marketplace, uh, internet marketplaces, but... There's so many like dirt cheap cars right now all over the place on these marketplaces and uh, Craigslist and stuff. There's less on Craigslist right now because it costs five bucks to put them on. So the used car market is totally flooded, and yet it's like seventy to eighty grand for these loaded, you know, everything pickup trucks, uh, American, you know, Ford, Chevy, and Dodges. Yeah, how can they afford it? And uh, it's just the example of a bubble. But who's driving all this equipment? Is when I would go to these farm auctions, and I'm going to go to one this summer. We'll see if it still is, but I haven't been to one in a few years. In New York State, these farm dispersal auctions, everyone driving the brand new equipment all worked for the county, the town, you know, the highway department. They were correctional officers. They were state troopers. Uh, or The firemen are just notorious. Yep. Yeah, the Manchester driving. Fire Department, yeah. all brand new jacked up diesel pickup trucks. trucks. Like yeah. eight of them. Yep. Uh, all the fire They love their trucks, but, you know, it's because they got that sweet government paycheck coming in. All right, big trucks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they love the red <laughs> ones in particular. The number, 855-450-3733. It's 855 free. Do you think the AFL-CIO still represents working-class Americans I in this country? Think. Or even what a working-class American is? I'd love to hear that <laughs> definition. Free Talk Live, 855-450. She's such a beautiful little puppy. I mean, we walk around the block, and neighbors always say, her hair is so beautiful. Healthy and shiny and glossy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Fatty acids, omega-3s, and omega-6s are great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. I would really recommend people starting their puppies on Dynavite before they get into what I would call the misery index. Bad skin, bad ears, bad breath. Because if they're getting all their vitamins, micronutrients, microbials from the beginning, then you're not going to run into the problems associated with the allergies, grass, pollen, dust dirt, fleas, ticks, you name it, and the itching and shedding down the road. Our vitamins and enzymes replace the nutrients cooked out of most commercial dog foods. Dynavite for life. This is Ed Lukasevic. And Cindy Lukasevic. Inviting you and your pets to Dynavite. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you are free to call in and talk live. We're kicking off another hour of Free Talk Live. If it's between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, or 1900 and uh, 2200 hours, I don't know what it is Zulu time. I, I'd have to do the math on that, and I wouldn't be very good. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, you can call in here on Free Talk Live and talk about whatever you want. It's Mark with you. Silver Dave. And Jay. And, yeah, so we're we're going through this article here from Reason.com on the AFL-CIO. And apparently they're calling for, they're calling for riots and executions, more or less. It, it's like the dying dinosaur doing its final 
lashing and thrashing, Thrash, yeah. you know, as it's bleeding out on the ground. It, it The same thing the U.S. government is essentially doing right now via Brad Sherman by calling to, you know, ban Bitcoin. This is just these... Everything is becoming decentralized. I mean, we got like even centralized things like Uber are essentially very decentralized yeah. for people who want to like go and work their own hours in this in this service economy. And there's just we all have all these options. Uh, the unions are they're irrelevant, just like the legacy banks are irrelevant now. And this is such a great time in history that we get to experience and watch these institutions collapse. So these unions and, uh, you know, the sort of uh, those on the left that support them and that kind of thing, labor unions, they have been in bed with these big businesses for as long as there's been the big businesses because they're, they're supplying the workers. So in the case of Delta, you know, they fail CIO making, you know, Threats uh, suggesting the executions of uh, uh, Delta CEOs and, and and management or whatever it is that they were trying to say with uh, the recommendation of using a guillotine. I mean, these are the people that are employ- employing their people, presuming the FLCIO represents the uh, Delta workers. I don't know. But, I mean, when you're talking about, uh, you know... Monsanto or, uh, you know, Bayer, these corporations, they've existed alongside workers for a long time. Yes. Well, uh, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Bayer because as you're talking about, I'm about to sort of maybe derail us, but I can't stop thinking about it. I told myself today, since I have access to all these listeners, I feel like there's something really important that I want to share with you. And in the past few days, you know, Jay and I have talked about this. This is really an astonishing piece of information to me because I feel like I live in a comedy. I really do think that I live in a comedy and George Carlin wrote it and they said, well, watch this. This is funny. So, you know, we mentioned bear and and guillotines. Well, guillotines, not really the most efficient mass killer. But, you know, there's a lot of companies like bear that know a lot more about killing people and how to kill a lot of people really efficiently. And you're probably like, well, what does that all mean? Well, you might have heard of something called Zyklon B. Well, Zyklon B... Yeah, that's what the Nazis used to gas the Jews, right? Zyklon B was the number one choice of gas by the Nazis. They say, well, this is our number one choice. We like it the best. It's efficient. It's fast. It's easy and effective. Three out of four Nazis agree. Three out of four. Four out of four Nazis (laughs) agree. Zyklon B is the best. Yep, there you go. Now, you're probably wondering, well... Well, who made Zyklon B? Uh, well, I, I'm uh, going to presume at this point that it was Bayer. <laughs> oh, no. Well, well, wait a second. You, Bayer, you, that's actually a really good guess. That'd be <laughs> wrong. People wouldn't guess that. They so, wouldn't do that. That'd be wrong. Yeah. No. So Bayer, and and this is not. It's not even hidden. Like there's this is not even a secret. So Bayer, this is the company that just bought Monsanto, who makes your food. Okay. Just think about this for a few minutes. The company that made the number one gas. Chosen by four out of four Nazis to kill people, millions of them, very effectively and efficiently, because that's important. I want to kill a lot of people, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. (laughs) So, uh, Bayer, they just bought Monsanto, who makes the food. They made the number one Jew killer, the number one, excuse me, the number one killer of people. But also, they make these vaccines. And so, I I just thinking about this. These guys are experts at killing people, and they make the food point, that right? people eat and the vaccines that are supposed to save people's lives. And, and no one even is suspect. No one's even concerned about this. 
I think that's really funny to me. I'm sure that they've got uh, workers over in, I guess, Germany or wherever Bear's from, I don't know, um, that are complaining about the working conditions at the Bear Factory. But these are the people that were making this stuff 70 or 80 years ago. I mean, these people are literally in bed with. I mean, it's not exactly the most, the least adversarial posi- uh, relationship I've ever seen before, but that's what they do. They're, you know, they're, they're the support network for these organizations. And when Dave says Monsanto controls your food, is that, or that gives you or makes your food? Just about uh, all of it. Uh, so the way that works is through what's called crop uh, insurance, subsidized crop insurance. I worked on a, a big crop operation in Colorado for a couple of years. And what happens is uh, these farmers go plant uh, certain crops, uh, corn, wheat, soy, canola, and they only plant crops, the big farms, that they can get a subsidy on. And this subsidy, this crop insurance, the subsidy is in a form of a crop insurance that covers literally everything, uh, markets, um, you know, if all the farmers plant tons of corn and the corn's not worth anything, well, they, they still get, they collect, they have, ins- this is insurance. It covers hail, covers floods, droughts, fire, whatever. It covers the guy just screwing up planting the corn. I mean, it covers all the mistakes and it's government subsidized. And the only way you get this is to use Monsanto, uh, growing practices, which means that you must use a minimum of, uh, like corn. It's like 32 ounces of Roundup per year. And Roundup is really good at killing weeds, just like Zyklon B is really good at killing Jews and uh, or people in general, actually. But uh, the um, so and that's yes. funny that that Monsanto makes stuff that kills weeds and kills insects, and they get bought by Bayer, who makes stuff that kills people really good. There's only one common thing that I'm noticing here is that they're really good at killing. <laughs> they're really good at killing. No, no, these guys. No, they care about our children. No, no, no! They care. You know, they care all right about what? I have no idea. Well, they're chemical manufacturers, and yeah, some are. Some's going to be deadly. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I want to finish up this uh, story real quick from the AFL-CIO here. Apparently, somebody called the AFL-CIO on their uh, guillotine post and said uh, the post was eventually taken down. An AFL-CIO spokesperson issued a statement to CNN saying, "We strive to keep." our Twitter account actively engaging and real to advocate uh, for working people. She said, we came across and shared this internet meme. We realized it was in poor taste and that it doesn't reflect the values of the VLCIO. It's been taken down. So uh, I don't know what's going on. This latest invocation here to seize the means of production is, is that representative of the uh, AFL-CIO's views as a whole? Well, it's unclear. In recent years, the organization has stuck to more incrementalist goals like raising wages for its members, not abolishing wage labor altogether. So uh, this is interesting stuff coming from Reason here and talking about what looks like uh, this organization's, uh, to me, the the last thrashings of it. Uh, I can't imagine that most union employees in america are members of the afl-cio because most union employees in america are what they call public sector so they're which is the worst as far as i'm concerned well uh, fdr felt the same way he didn't feel that people who work for the government should be able to be parts of unions unions should only be with the private sector because that way he wouldn't have to deal with them but (laughs) um i mean if people want to unionize uh you know, as long as they can't violate my rights or someone else's rights, I really don't care. Right, it's just a club. Yeah, if you want to join, you know, make a club, whatever, that's fine. But the problem is with these public sector clubs, you know, I live in a town of 4,200 people, and at the town uh, election, 
uh, town meeting, there was a, uh, everybody you know raised their hand to vote yes or no on bills. I'm mean, not bills on uh, articles, warrants. Yeah, they call articles, them. yeah. And uh, it, there was literally 35 people that were you know increasing the taxes 20 percent in a little town I live in. Uh, just 35 people were forcing their will on you know however many landowners or how they do that with uh, with you know hundreds of people at the there was 75 people at town meeting and I about 30 there wasn't even 75 there was uh, but there was 35 yeses and like seven nos on almost everything wow wow. 855-450-3733. This is uh, democracy in its uh, purest form in, in the modern world is these town meetings, and it still fails. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. Silver Dave. And Jay. Freedoms Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site, and that means they collect news stories. You want the latest, freshest stories and perspectives on current events from those who value liberty? FreedomsPhoenix.com has it. Their daily dispatch is the best way to stay up-to-date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of the police state. Freedoms with an S. Phoenix.com. Freedoms phoenix.com let's go to higley calling in from chicago higley you're on free talk live sorry dave i happen to think you're a dork but if somebody shot jay Lehoon in the head who you'd call lrn.fm that was uh crazy james yeah yeah so who would you call if somebody shot me in the head (laughs) well that's a good question i am who would I call? Like, did I? Does anyone else know about this? Like, am I the only one who knows Jay's body is there? Like, call my wife. <laughs> it's probably a good place to start. Does he have anything valuable? Like, is there any? Like, before we go on, is game this a little? <laughs> right. We need to. I need to have more information when I'm putting together this this hypothetical. And, and what this comes from is uh, we uh, last week uh, Chris did the show. It was Chris, myself, and I think um, and yeah, and Angie. Right, and, Ian and I were flying to Tokyo. Right, so so uh, Crazy James called in and he's like, um, "I said something about the cops being the 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 violent gang or something or the terror the terrorists because we were talking about terrorists as well. The only people who terrorize me are the cops." And he says, "Jay, uh, if if somebody comes and shoots Chris in the head, who are you going to call? You're, you know." And it's just like he's just he's just oh, a screwball. Question now, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, so. Uh, what are they going to do after this person's already been killed anyway? Like, come bring it's kind of their, back to life. It's kind of their job, right? They're like, going to just come and cause more problems for more people, and that is basically what... Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, correct, the correct entity to call, I would say, would probably be, you know, the coroner, because they're the ones who, you well, know... they're going to come with the cops anyway. You deal with dead bodies. Cops are the ones that you call for the cleanup crew. I'm not saying that there aren't some police officers out there that'll throw themselves between you and uh, a bullet... Uh, there certainly are, but that's not really what they're employed to do. They're not employed to, uh, you know, stop crimes before they happen. They're employed to record a crime that occurred and kind of uh, give you some paperwork so you can deal with the insurance company. People got to remember, the police do not work for you. They work for the king. The police work for the king. They're the king's they're, men, they're, right? They're the king's men, and they're there to enforce the laws 
that make the king lots of profits off of you. Yeah, I, I say that the cops are there to make sure you pay taxes. And they're, yeah, ultimately and to make it. sure you pay taxes. That's really it. To make sure they keep the farm, the tax farm, profitable. Enjoy your freedom, everybody. Enjoy. Take a nice <laughs> glass of that. Take a chug. And, uh, yeah, Crazy James is uh, is, is banned nice from the airwaves here because he likes to threaten people, so um, we don't let him on the air. But going on the story here from TampaBay.com in Dunedin, Jim Ficken admits he let his grass grow too long. He just doesn't think he should lose his house over it. The city of Dunedin, their code enforcement board, moved to foreclose on Ficken's home Tuesday because he failed to pay nearly $30,000 in code violation fines he accrued in 2018. The city fined him $500 per day over the summer because his grass grew longer than 10 inches. If I can interrupt you real quick, just so our trolls can get this correctly, so they can call the city of Dunedin and yep. uh, and let them know, you know what, um, you know, terrible parasites they are. Uh, how do you spell Dunedin? Dunedin. I think that this is the same as like the the Scottish uh, city. D u n e d i n Dunedin, and it's in Pinellas County. Uh, it's one of the many municipalities that's in Pinellas County. It's uh, I think north of uh, Largo, uh, certainly north of Saint Petersburg. This is this is one more way that people have really lost their freedom, and I mean that people are grow lawns, and people have been, you know, uh, uh, trained through a lot of different type of means that they should grow this lawn, and you couldn't actually be able to do otherwise. But people used to grow food; yeah. they grew food. Well, now if you grew food in your yard, you would get in trouble. You're not zoned, and this, that, your yeah. grass. You're supposed to have ten inches or shorter grass. And this whole thing, to me, is all part of a big plan to get everyone to buy food from centralized places like Monsanto so that you don't produce your own food, so you buy it from them. And then, of course, they lace it with toxic chemicals. Enjoy your freedom, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, this Jim Ficken guy, here he is doing a little press conference out in his driveway, and he has a very Florida-type home. This is the kind of home that was in the neighborhoods that I grew up in, the kind of home that I grew up in. Um, you know, the, I'm, I'm seeing the jealousy windows, the single car garage, uh, the, the, the grass. The, we call it a lawn, right? It's just a bunch of weeds that you whack down to a certain level height. And in his case, he's got – so this is basically one bad year. Jim Ficken had a bad year. And I don't know what happened. It doesn't like you know. I if if this article says it, I didn't. I don't remember it from when I uh, put it in my show prep. But something happened in 2018, and he didn't mow his grass for a long time. And in Florida, when you don't mow your grass, there's going to be some evidence. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna go. Yeah, you you let it go a couple of weeks, you got a hayfield. Yeah, you basically Rex living in your yard, and- <laughs> right? And Roar! in. Basically, you know, this guy's been fined $500 a day and accrued $30,000 in fines. And the city of Dunedin is attempting to steal his home from him over it. He's not saying he didn't do it. He's just saying he just had one bad year and the city's basically taken his house. I wonder what their Facebook uh, reviews look like right now. Every time there's like one of these dirtbag parasitical, you know, governmental organizations that just does something ridiculous i go check out their facebook page and it's all like 
negative comments and one stars, and then they like they shut off commenting. It, it, it's pretty hilarious. What kind of a name anyway? It is Don Eaton? It, it sounds Don Eaton. Like we're not Don Eaton. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. You're gonna eat. Nope. We're hungry. The same day the city moved to foreclose, Ficken. 69, filed a lawsuit against Dunedin, the members of its code enforcement board. He's uh, seeking $1 in nominal damages, attorney's fees, and injunctions that would uh, relieve him of the fines. The suit also hopes to end Dunedin's alleged practice of fining people without considering a homeowner's ability to pay. Ficken had a news conference on Wednesday out in front of his home uh, there at, uh, in Dunedin. I'm not going to give the address. It doesn't particularly matter. It's an excessive fine, and everyone I've spoken to says it's outrageous, Ficken, a retiree and a fixed income said. And there's no way uh, a retiree can do something. Like, you know, maybe he had a health problem. Maybe he just had a bad bout with heroin. I don't know what happened to Mr. Ficken when he no was No excuse. You 60. have to, 10 inches is the limit. Right. That's it. <laughs> this is basically your grass is too long. And we're going to fine you $500 a day, and over over that $500, now the fine's there, and we're going to take your house from you. I, you know, I wonder- Sounds if, like a profitable operation to me. Yeah. I wonder if he even knew he was getting fined, or does all of a sudden his bill show up, and you got, you know, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars 13000 in fines because it took two weeks for the bill to get to you. That's you're like opening up your bills. You're like, here's your Comcast, 79 bucks. Here's your, your, your internet thing. And then you're like, oh, the city of- of not going to eat you or whatever they were called. <laughs> They're like, oh, $75,000. Wow. Wasn't let me get that, this one. Let me oh, get that paid off. Yeah. Oh, no, I'll, I'll send a check right away. <laughs> Hunt. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE, as in freedom here. We're talking about a story coming out of Pinellas County, Florida, where a guy, 69 years old, had a little trouble, and his mo- his lawn didn't get mowed. I mean, if he's a single dude and, like, I don't know, had to have heart surgery... He can't go mow, be mowing a lawn in like hundred degree heat, hundred degree, hundred percent humidity. Ignorance of the law is no excuse for a long time. Mow your lawn. It's kind of what happened here. I mean, basically, that's uh, it's pretty close to the the scenario here. Uh, so basically, the town of Dunedin charged him five hundred dollars a day for his grass being more than ten inches. He said he knows it was too long. He acknowledged it. It's it's cut now. I got a picture of it. Looking at it right now, looks like your average crap lawn in Florida. Um, you know, I grew up on places lawns just like this, mowing them myself, and everything's handled today. But it was a bad year in 2018 for him. But they still want the money. They find him thirty thousand dollars, and rather than just saying, oh, "All right, you got your lawn mowed," um, the we'll waive the thirty thousand dollars, and you can go back to your life, citizen. They're saying, "Where's our thirty grand?" You know, you probably you know why. I, I this is a guess. I don't know this is that they've already spent the thirty grand. 
It's already oh, yeah. part of some bond. It's already been like <laughs> monetized because that's all a municipal bond is. When it got, when these municipal corporations go borrow money, their ability to borrow money is their, is is based on their ability to collect taxes, fines, and and fees. That's it. And so they've calculated this, and that now they need to collect it because it's probably already spent on the other side over and over again. If you operate a retail business and you're looking for a solution for point-of-sale cryptocurrency acceptance, help me take Bitcoin.com is your solution. It's a great idea to have crypto, to accept cryptocurrency in your business because people who spend cryptocurrency, they're more loyal. So they're going to be back more often. They're going to drive from farther to do uh, business with you. And perhaps your local media will want to talk about uh, a business in their area accepting cryptocurrencies if you if you let them know. Helpmetakebitcoin.com is your solution. It's helpmetakebitcoin.com. They've got a map integrated over there so that people know right off the bat where you are and where they can spend your Bitcoin. Helpmetakebitcoin.com. So I want to tell this a little bit here about the story from uh, Mr. Ficken, who's in uh, Dunedin, Florida. And uh, let me, let, let's, I'll just read the story. According to the lawsuit, Ficken routinely spent weeks away from his property to aid his dying mother in South Carolina. In 2015, while Ficken was in South Carolina, Dunedin cited him for having grass that was too tall. According to code enforcement policy, any subsequent violation of a city code in the next five years would make Ficken a repeat offender. So now we're talking about 2015 to 2018. Ficken's mother, Marinelle Ficken, uh, died in the summer of 2016. Ficken left Dunedin for two weeks in July of 2018 to manage her estate. Uh, During that time, the man who mowed his lawn, Russ Kellum, died suddenly. So if you're not mowing your grass from June uh, in in June in Florida, you're in big trouble. There yeah. was times, there were weeks in say July and August where I was mowing weekly because I, you know, you had to keep it, you had got to keep it down. It just Hot, goes. It rains every day, right? Right. It's the jungle, people. Yeah. We've we've carved uh, city lots out of jungle, and it's you know there's consequences. So the guy dies. Ficken got back and tried to mow his overgrown lawn himself, but once the lawn's overgrown. The mower breaks, the lawsuit said. Dunedin gave Ficken no notice that it was charging him $500 every day for the length of his grass. Ficken said the fines were so hefty because Ficken was a repeat offender. It was nearly two months before Ficken had any idea he owed the city tens of thousands of dollars, he said. On August 20th, a code enforcement official making his daily rounds told Ficken to expect a big bill from the city, his lawsuit said. Can we get the name of that code enforcement officer? I don't have it. That day, Ficken bought a new mower. The next day, August 21st, he mowed his lawn. He also received a notice from the city that he was appear at the hearing of the code enforcement uh, board uh, September 4th. So it looks like he only didn't mow his lawn for two months. Let's see. They left Dunedin for two weeks in July of 2018 to manage her estate. It looks like it was about a month well, maybe a little bit, two weeks in July. Could have been as early as, uh, let's call it a, six weeks. During that time, uh, the man who mowed, him, mowed his grass, Russ Kellum, died suddenly. So six weeks he doesn't mow his grass, and he has a $30,000 fine for it. There's nothing, I mean, this, this is a pretty reasonable thing to have happen to somebody here. Um, I mean, you know, 
the, the mower breaks, your lawn maintenance guy dies, mom's estate needs to be handled in July. I mean, you're not planning your life around lawn mowing, even when even if you do live in Florida. This guy had some terrible lawn luck. <laughs> he did. I sincerely hope this doesn't uh, actually go through. Anyway, um, between the two fines, Ficano Dunedin, $30,000 on a house that was uh, on a house with a $125,000 market value, according to the Pinellas County property appraiser. I wonder what the uh, the mortgage is on it. It's probably They're probably asking for everything this guy's got in equity. I just DuckDuckGo, Dunedin Code Enforcement, and DuckDuckGo is a better uh, search engine than, not better, but it's a more uh, anonymous private search engine yep. than Google. It says, your own property. The city's code enforcement inspectors are happy to work with with residents and property owners to bring their property into compliance with city codes. If you need our assistance, please contact, contact us by phone or email address below. Please bear in mind that the inspectors are normally out of the office during the day doing inspections, but they will get back to you as quickly as pro- possible. Uh, Tom Colbert, Michelle Gilbert, Joanne McHale. These are the code enforcement officers. Uh, and there's a phone number here. Can I read it off? Sure. So the code enforcement inspector is 727 is the area code. That's always the area code if it's in Pinellas County, 727-298, and it's 3212. And there's actually a few more numbers, but that three that two nine that 727 uh, yeah, 727-298-3212 is the main number for the uh Dunedin, Florida code enforcement and you know, uh you can ask them why they're not um, you know, trying to help this guy out you know why are they being so hard on this dude i i it's this is terrible yeah this is uh apparently dunedin's been cracking down on people uh the institute for justice has taken up his case which i like his uh i like his chances once ij gets involved so i hope things turn out the the best for him here uh, let's go to david calling in from new mexico david you're on free talk live good evening hey david what's up the uh a couple things. Oh, one on your on your uh, topically on your conversation. I don't want to go into it right now, but I I, I did save you the taxpayers over a million dollars in today's dollars um, that you. would have been spent that would have been spent in the military, but were not um, because of what I did. And I don't like I said I don't want to go into it. Okay, but um, well, thanks then. And uh, <laughs> yeah, du- double double ironies that uh, 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 gift gas. Gift what? You want some? You want some? You want some gas as a gift? Gas gift? Okay, gift, gift gas. gas. All right. Fun, fun with German. Some propane, the, the, Bobby. The German word. The German word for poison is gift. Gift. And so gift gas is. You can put it all together yourself. Poison gas. Poison, poison gas in German. It's it's gift gas. Okay, so it's kind of uh, it's like a little gift here, a present yeah. for you. Yeah, another another irony of that is that that that, that gas Zyklon B was uh, was uh, came about due to the inventions of a German chemist that uh, worked before the war. His 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 inventions were the ones that led to Zyklon B. So he he both saved millions of people's lives by killing pests ah. that were eating agricultural products, and then uh, his work was then used to kill his relatives. Literally, <laughs> new new. Human-shaped pests. Well, 
Yeah. That's the that's the thing about any tool. Uh, a tool can be used to... Uh, that's right. The, the government will always find a way to use whatever tool to kill people. They're like, these things open bottles, but then they figured out how to kill a lot of people with it. It's funny. Yeah, humans seem to really love weapons. I mean, I imagine that first club or well, first knife that Psychopathic humans. Yeah. 855-450-3733 for Tuck Live. Free Talk Live. Call in. Even in the final segment here, we might be able to get you in. The number is 855-450-3733. It's 855-450-FREE, as in freedom. It's Mark with you. Silver Dave. And Jay. The number is 855-450-3733. So there was a situation in Dunedin where, uh, written here by the Tampa Bay Times at tampabay.com, where this guy, Jim Ficken, uh, you know, basically his mom died and then his uh, his uh, lawn guy died. And this is Florida. People die. You know, like this is where America goes to die. And it happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in more or less in six weeks time, the city of Dunedin decided his grass got too long and fined him $30,000 and is now attempting to take his home. The Institute of Justice has jumped in. That's awesome. Great organization, but uh, you know they can't do it on, you know on their own. They need uh, you need support from you too. But uh, you know it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting, and this is all over a little bit of tall grass. So they go on here, and they've got another story included in this story that I thought was reading worth reading too. Dunedin has cracked down on code violations in recent years, according to an analyst in Ficken's lawsuit. The city collected almost. million in code enforcement violations in 2018, up from 34,000 in 2007. That's a big jump, 34,000 to 1.3 million. They got a code enforcement officer and three assistant code enforcement officers. These guys are professional parasites. Yeah. You know, I always say code enforcement are the ones who are too psychopathic to give a gun to. You know, they're the ones they won't let be cops usually become code enforcement now when i was down in manatee county florida this is one county south of uh, where dunedin is um my experience with code enforcement was they certainly didn't miss a violation but if you fixed it they would they, they just forget about it and, and i had more than one violation in five years i can assure you we had a horseback riding stable and in massachusetts and we would not get a license to um, teach riding lessons. My okay. father was a horse dealer. He bought and sold horses. He transported livestock. He would not get a license. And when they would show up, it was, wasn't really the locals. It was the state. Department of Agriculture would show up. Mm. Uh, my dad would be like, well, where's the contract I signed? And get off my property. You're trespassing. And then he would send us a cease and desist order. We would send them, return them a written um, a uh, notice of refusal of their cease and desist order. We told them we don't recognize their jurisdiction. Uh, that was like 2003, 2004, where the uh, Department of Agriculture got a new dude and a bunch of new people and a bunch of money. Yeah, they're and, trying to do some some something. And you know, we never heard from them again. And you know, ten years went by, never heard from them again. Right, there was just too, just too much trouble, I would guess. So anyway, they've cracked down on code violations in Dunedin. Those cases are often messy and time consuming for citizens. Liz Taylor was born in Dunedin. Her family owned a substantial plot of land on New York Avenue, which I presume is in Dunedin, since the 1930s. 
Now, that's a long time in Florida. Uh, I mean, basically, (laughs) Florida wasn't much more than swamp at that point. So her Taylor's mother, Sylvia Earle, is a famous ocean explorer. I'll take their word for it. I haven't heard of Sylvia Earle, but, you know, what do I know about ocean explorers? Although she's in her 80s, I presume that they're referring to Taylor, not Earle, in this circumstance, um, that she travels 300 days out of the year, leaving her Dunedin property to be managed by a groundskeeping company. In 2018, nope, it is Earl, excuse me, Earl, the uh, uh, Sylvia Earl, the famous ocean explorer, she said she ran afoul of the Dunedin Code Enforcement Board. Despite near constant communication with the city, Dunedin fined Earl some $28,000 for maintenance issues on her property. She, too, was a repeat offender who failed to show up for a hearing. So because you're a repeat offender, they start hitting you with these $500 a day fines. And repeat means... It happened one time in the last five years. So you can have the same incident going on, and they just determine you're a repeat offender. Earl's daughter said Dunedin shouldn't enforce its codes this way. To me, it's just predatory on people who are A, elderly, and B, travel a lot, or C, under some financial duress. There are people with health issues that just can't mow their lawns, and health issues can come on rather rapidly. In the case of this uh, Jim Ficken fella, uh, unfortunate last name for radio purposes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim Ficken. Fun in high school. Right. He, uh, he, um, he was, it was basically six weeks, maybe seven weeks, uh, best I can tell, that his lawn wasn't mowed, and they charged him $30,000. Now, for those of you who don't live in Florida, and I know that you're a new, legion, most people, in America, most people in the world do not live in Florida, you don't understand that grass grows well, everything grows like weeds in Florida. It's uh, it, it's it's a very, I don't know, it's one of those climates where things just really grow. So, uh, Bajelski said of the, the cases of Earl and Ficken, I guess this is the lawyer for the uh, um, uh, IJ, uh, the Code Enforcement Board levies heavy fines at times because it wants compliance, not property. We're not interested in making money on the backs of our citizens. Oh, said the mayor, excuse me. Uh, eventually, Earl facing, by the way, they made $1.3, $1.2 million um, in 2018. So you gotta, you have to go a little farther to convince me that you're not at $1.3 million, uh, in 2018. You're going to have to go a little farther than that to convince me you're tr- not trying to make money on your citizens. That $1.3 million is on top of the normal uh, extortion that people are paying yeah, property, property tax. taxes, meals taxes, you know, whatever. I don't know if they have local sales tax or whatever, but whatever taxes are, it's just, you know. Right. And so when you're dealing with this situation as a, um, you know, as a, as a property owner, yeah, so they level the fine, they levy the fines, they threaten you with the fines and all that stuff, and then you get the job done. If you've gotten the job done, and Jim Ficken did, before his even hearing was going on, the, ju- the the lawn was mowed. But he missed the hearing, probably because his lawn was mowed. And he didn't think about it after that. What you're going to find with these really aggressive, outrageous uh, towns and cities is that when they put heavy liens on these properties and they have to be sold at public auction, they generally don't sell for too much money uh, quite often. And what happens is the, uh, the, the fine money comes right out. Um, and generally the auction company is, you know, good buddies with these, you know, local parasite bureaucrats. They're all part of the parasite economy 
And a lot of times, you know, you got certain building, uh, you know, uh, developers and stuff that want that this stuff. And of course, all the uh, landscapers want you to be forced to make sure you get your lawn mowed. Sure. It makes their it makes their trade a lot more valuable in that particular area because you're forced to use them or forced to get the job done anyways. And then, but you find that like a lot of these same couple of cronies who are very in with all the town politicians are buying up a lot of these properties. Uh, and then you'll see that these same folks who own these properties, they start seeing correlations like where the, the assessment rate is much lower on their properties after they own them compared to uh, other folks. If you start going through the assessments in these little towns and You'll start finding that certain people are certainly uh, assessed less. Well, one thing others. you certainly know is that there's an industry that's sprung up around taking people's foreclosed homes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Like there's these people that chase after. Uh, I mean, they've, they've been taking courses on how to get cheap homes, and you can't blame them. It's like, wow, a cheap home. They're not necessarily thinking about, oh. This was taken from Jim Ficken because his mom died, and then his lawn maintenance guy died, and his uh, lawnmower didn't work. And over the course of six weeks, his grass didn't grow. And now the city of Dunedin won't even negotiate with this guy to bring the price down from $30,000. This guy's on a fixed income. He's 69 years old. He can't pay it. I was in, I don't know what state it was, one of the Midwest states, Kansas or something, staying in the hotel room a couple years ago. And there was one of these things on TV, on a cable TV. I haven't had cable in years. But yeah, it was, sure. It was a thing like... But if you're staying at a hotel. Yeah. I'm just watching something and this commercial comes on. And you're like, do, do you want to be able to buy properties really cheap? Well, check out tax something, blah, blah, blah. And I just Googled it on my on my computer. I have my computer out. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, this is like to buy listings of foreclosed properties. Yep. And it was something specific to like Kansas or something. Yeah, and I'm sure that every state's got it. And there's, you know, somebody runs a website that lists all these properties. They're up for uh, sale on foreclosed properties. In the case of Earl, who's this uh, famous ocean lady, uh, she apparently facing $30,000 in fines also. She settled with the city. She agreed to pay $10,000 and give a lecture on oceans at the Dunedin Public Library. Now, in the case of Earl, maybe a globe-trotting uh, octogenarian who is uh, some kind of famous ocean explorer can afford a $10,000 fine. But Jim Ficken, whose mom died two years ago, is just able to get up to, uh, to South Carolina to take care of her estate. And then his lawn maintenance guy dies, 69 years old, getting a little bit of a pension, a little bit of uh, Social Security. He can't afford it. And we're going to start seeing a lot more of this happening. I mean, in my little town, you know, there's $1.6 million in back property taxes. I mean, this is going to, epidemic is going to hit hard to where the working class can't retire because they have to support the parasite class. Free Talk Live. Check us out at freetalklive.com. Jake, would you like to hang out with Penn Gillette? He's keynoting Freedom Fest this year. I, for one, am thrilled. Freedom Fest is the largest liberty-oriented gathering in the world. They take a Big Ten approach with libertarians, conservatives, liberals, anarchists, capitalists, and just open-minded people mingling together to hear real debates, share real solutions, and converse freely. This year's theme is the Wild West, a time of liberty and opportunity, or a time of anarchy and violence. Maybe both. Go to freedomfest.com FTL and get your 
tickets now. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Not convinced yet? Hey, I understand. It's a high-end event. Even with coupon code FTL50. Sure, you're likely to receive investment advice that'll make that sum seem paltry. But I have something special for you. Go to Freedomfest.com slash FTL and you'll get the five best speeches from last year for free. Call it a test drive. Do yourself a favor and go to Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Freedomfest.com slash FTL. Use coupon code FTL50 for a discount. I want to tell you about my favorite cryptocurrency wallet, Edge Wallet at Edge.app. Edge is the wallet I use more than any other, and that was true long before Edge Wallet became a sponsor of Free Talk Live. Edge Wallet allows you to buy, sell, trade, and securely hold your cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, tokens, Monero, Ripple, Dash, Bitcoin Cash, and more. It's available for both Android and iOS, and you can download it via the Play or App Store or via Edge Wallet's website, edge.app. Secure your freedom with Edge Wallet. <laughs> 